The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the National Football League. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Our Super Bowl coverage continues on the SB Nation NFL show. Hopefully you guys have been locked in here all week long. Uh, we've got guests, we've got roundtables, everything you need ahead of Sunday's huge game again, or between the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. Joined, as always, by Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Fellas, Super Bowl week, we're fully entrenched. We, we, we've watched the film, we've broken the games down, we've done interviews, we've done it all so far. What are the feelings heading into Sunday right now? How are we feeling about this contest? I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm struggling a little bit here to like get juiced for this game. No, I'm, I'm the same. I don't know about you guys, but doesn't it feel a little quiet compared to like years past games and years past. And I don't know if that's just because these two teams are, I don't want to call it LA team, a small market, but the Rams don't have a lot of fans and they don't have a solid fan base. So their presence isn't like, most other teams that were used to do, like the Chiefs, for example, last year. or And then with the Bengals, they haven't been around for, you know, in the playoffs. So a lot of people, I don't know if they're just not used to talking about them. But um, I have a pretty clear feeling about how this game is going to go. And I'm sure I could be wrong, but I don't, I don't think that the Bengals stand a chance is the easiest way to put it. And they've been a great story. Joe Burrow is awesome. Joe Burrow knows how to play the position. They have good players. But where they need their good players to succeed, uh, they don't have them. And I think the same – it's the opposite for the Rams. And we can get into that. But I think we are going to see a lower-scoring game than people expect. I think we are going to see a one team score a lot of points and the other team score not as many points. And that is how this game will go. So I think the home team is going to win comfortably, and we'll get into that. What do you think, Justice? I'm I'm with you. On, I think the Rams are going to win. I mean, the the betting line obviously swings in that favor too. But I, I think the Bengals have a chance. It's just certain matchups, you know, Trey Hendrickson going off, um, them being able to get, you know, their passing game clicking in a way that the Rams uh, maybe might not is kind of what I'm thinking in terms of like their path to victory. But I agree. The, the Zach Taylor thing too. I mean, no one is like, boy genius, leads team to super. Like you would think, you know, a guy – what is it? His third year uh, as the head coach of the team turned around the team from you know first overall pick to uh, to to getting to the Super Bowl in like sixteen months. Do you think there'd be more hype around him being you know boy genius when I wonder why that's not the case? Hired? Yeah, uh, he's he's not so good of a head coach. Though, I think <laughs> it is it is funny to see how kind of patched up together this team is, um, not just from you know, a coaching perspective, but like, do you, Kyle, do you know where they're practicing right now? The both teams? The Bengals. The Bengals. No, I, maybe UCLA's practice. I have no idea. No. So the Bengals, or the Bengals were practicing at the University of Cincinnati's indoor practice facility because they don't have an indoor practice facility. Like they are like oh, not, no. 
they're as a program not built to be playing games in February. And they're here. They're here, despite all the odds. And Joe Burrow's just, you know, cool as a cucumber. Just like, all right, let's play the damn game. Just happy to be here, baby. That's not great, by the way. Not great. <laughs> so I'm with you guys, but I keep coming back to like the way I felt in the divisional round game between the Chiefs and the Bills, where I was like, oh, this is how the Chiefs will win. This is how the Bills will win. The, the Chiefs got to win this game. No, the Bills are playing so well right now. Josh Allen's been incredible. This is how they're going to do it. And under no circumstance should I be analyzing this Super Bowl like this because I agree with you guys on paper, the Rams should win this thing. They're the more talented team, in my opinion, across the board, just top to bottom. They're just stacked. They've got a lot of talent. They've given up a lot of draft capital. They've loaded that roster for this Super Bowl run. But I'm like, I still can't explain how the Bengals are even here and how they kept winning playoff games when I, I could have they could have easily just lost to the Tennessee Titans, but they still won that game and then they beat the Chiefs. And so I'm like, I'm going to go all in on the Rams, but then the Bengals are somehow going to do this thing and it's going to come down to an Evan McPherson field goal. And we know that dude just doesn't ever miss. He's just the greatest kicker ever for the Cincinnati Bengals. And so I keep talking myself into the Bengals a little bit, but I'm with you. The Rams make sense in this game. It feels like a trap to just pick the Bengals in this game, just for the reason that you mentioned. So the Titans think about what Ryan Tannehill had to do for the Titans to lose that game against the chiefs. Um, the only way the Chiefs are losing that game is if they implode. And boy, did they ever implode. Um, you talk, we talked about Zach Taylor. In my opinion, this is so harsh. He's one of the five worst quarterbacks in the NFL, or quarterbacks, head coaches in the NFL. And that is comfortably. He goes out of his way to lose them games. He has good players on that side of the ball. The ball, the side of the ball in which he coaches who kind of go above and beyond to bail him out for certain things. Uh, they're very simple. They're very vanilla on, on offense. Um, you know what they're going to do, and I think that's going to make Raheem Morris, the defense coordinator for the Rams, job a lot easier. And it also helps that they have dudes at every level who can win, and that's not true when I say every level because their linebackers are not good. But I feel like their pass rush will be so good. And on the back end, you know, they have guys who can take you away. So – I don't I don't know what I don't know what the Bengals are going to do or I guess the best way to put it is I don't know how the Bengals score 21 24 points and I don't know how the Rams score fewer than 28 points in this game so that and that's where I come to the conclusion of the Rams will win comfortably and the the <laughs> the Cinderella story of Zach Taylor ends in the Super Bowl. So I think there's a case to be made that like the best thing long-term would be for the Bengals to just fire Zach Taylor. That's obviously not going to happen after you go on a Super Bowl run. And so he's going to get a long time in Cincinnati because once they get a guy, they will ride with him for a while, as we've seen in the past. So when it comes to the coaching matchup, Sean McVay, Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor, former McVay disciple, whatever. Like the only way I feel like the Rams lose this game is if Sean McVay does some of the things that he's done in the past that have got him in trouble, which is, you know, play too conservatively, play it safe, take his foot off the gas. You got to go for it all here, Sean. Like you got no business losing to Zach Taylor in the Super Bowl. You got to score and you got to put up points and don't take your foot off the gas. That's not what he does, by the way. So he has this for whatever reason. He, when you think of Sean McVay, you're thinking of this aggressive, you know, go for it, go for all the marbles type of coach. But he's as conservative as it gets. And, and that's another reason why I think, you know, this is going to be a lower scoring game than people imagine because both coaches are. But uh, if we just go back to the NFC Championship, if Kyle Shanahan doesn't go Kyle Shanahan, we're talking about the, the mistakes that Sean McVay made in that game. But uh, Shanahan kind of bailed – or not kind of. Shanahan definitely bailed him out. But McVay tends to do that quite a bit, which maybe that is a reason. You know, the Bengals – you know, if you're a Bengals fan, you, you know, you, you would have hope in this game. But um, – <laughs> it goes back to Taylor. Like I will always turn it back to Taylor for me, but uh, justice, what do you think about this coaching matchup? I mean, I think you guys have already gotten it with Zach. Zach Taylor isn't a very good coach. McVay gets too conservative at times. He's still, he doesn't go forward on fourth down hardly ever, um, you know, relative to the rest of the league and where the rest of the league is moving. It's not as bad as, you know, Belichick, but 
Um, he definitely does get conservative. And for a guy who, you know, once celebrated in an end zone, right? He, he did that against the Niners or the game was still going on. I mean, it wasn't even like second quarter. Yeah. Like <laughs> you're in the middle of the day and game for a guy with that much energy and who's branded as like young, energetic guy. He sure gets conservative at times, um, which I think is like different than Shanahan. No one is like Kyle Shanahan, just a ball of energy. You know what I mean? So it's, it is kind of weird for McVay's brand to kind of be both of those things at the same time. I still think just the talent alone on the offensive side is enough to outpower what the Bengals have on defense, which, I, and then on the flip side, you look at, you know, the Bengals offensive line going against that Rams front. That's a massive red flag going into this game. I think that's the matchup of the game. As much as people want to look at all these skill players and both the quarterbacks, it's going to be the off, the offensive linemen and defensive linemen who are going to make the biggest difference here. I know that's very boring, but Hey, that's, that's part of the game guys. I'm sorry. Um, so that's just my general thoughts on this. From a coaching perspective, I still give McVay the edge just because, man, Taylor. Taylor. Taylor is probably, we cannot say this enough, it's probably since McCarthy got the ring. There it is. <laughs> like, ta- Taylor is probably the worst head coach to end up making it to the Super Bowl, I think. Man. <laughs> Surprise. It took us 10 minutes to get a, a Mike McCarthy drop from Justice, so... Uh, thanks for that. So let's how how do the Bengals win this? I guess is a better question because I think it is obvious that the Rams have studs everywhere. And you know, how are they gonna guard Cup Beckham? How are they gonna slow down what the Rams want to do? Uh Stafford's gonna be able to attack every level of the field, and I think that just makes them so that much more dangerous to to defend. And I imagine we're going to see a better version of Cam Akers than we've seen now that he's had some rest. Now that he's had some chance to get his legs underneath him. So he's going to pop one, man. And and once he gets in that open field, he's, he's tough to slow down. So knowing that, are you just hoping Jamar Chase goes off on Ramsey? Like, cause he's, I, I feel like he's going to be able to make his plays no matter who's guarding him. Even if like, I think Ramsey is unquestionably the best cornerback in the NFL and probably um, one of the best in the past decade or so, but Chase just knows how to get open and, when I say that, a lot of that involves using uh, going against the rules. But again, he doesn't get called for it, so why would he stop? Uh, T. Higgins on the other side is going to be big for them. He is a very good wide receiver. And if you just look how teams have had success against the Rams, they've been able to have success over the middle of the field, and they get isolated on your third and fourth cornerback, and, you know, whether you're running outs or slants. It's simple routes. And for whatever reason, the Rams can't keep up. So I like T Higgins over the middle of the field. If you give Burrow enough time to work to that backside dig, the Bengals will be able to have plenty of success. But again, uh, you're hoping that your line holds up. Um, but what do you guys think about just as far as, you know, what the Bengals have to do to stay in this, stay in this game? Right. So this is the Bengals path to victory. In my opinion, it's that outside of Ramsey, they don't have good, defensive backs really that can cut co- that can cover wide receivers at the very least i know whittle's been looking spry for a guy who's been on the couch for two years but outside of that they have three legitimate threats at wide receiver that you got to cover and you have one jalen ramsey real Probably. quick on that point nobody has thrown the ball at Weddle for whatever reason we've made it three games <laughs> into the playoffs so yes he's a fantastic run defender yes he's a good in the box but nobody throws at him how is that a thing if zach taylor is worth anything he will get whoever it is whether it's tyler boyd um use them whoever their tight end is matched up one-on-one with weddle you would have you will have success and even the rams nickel cornerbacks like they are not good and four niners had success against them um in week 17 or sorry week 18 so uh sorry to interject but it boggles it blows my mind that teams will throw the ball outside the numbers against the rams and not pick on their linebackers and their safeties right no, that's a, that's a valid point. Um, so I think it's it's that, but then the problem is, hey, you know, the right side of the Bengals' offensive line, where they rotated, you know, right guards midway through an NFC or an AFC Championship game, is going to have to block probably Vaughn Miller. But you put Vaughn Miller on one side, okay, we're gonna slide, and uh, you know, we're gonna have some double team slide protection over there. Now you got one-on-ones with, you know, Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald, which is not, you know, a winning game plan either. So you got to be able to get the ball off 
behind that offensive line to kind of hurt the Rams in, at the secondary positions. And then on the flip side, I would say when the Rams have the ball, the big thing is like Trey Hendrickson just needs to make plays. And he's been making a lot of plays. But you saw the difference against the Kansas City Chiefs in the first half when Trey Hendrickson wasn't getting pressure. And then in the second half when he was. I mean, it was night and day. So that I think that's the key to the Bengals defense. And if you can do that, then that's maybe kind of where you see like the bang the Bengals sneak out with a, a one score victory in this game. I'm not if if the Bengals win by more than a touchdown, frankly, I would be shocked. And maybe I'm gonna have to eat, you know, crow at the end of this, but I, I, I don't see that in the cards. So I've been talking to my buddy a lot this week who runs a gambling site and you know, trying to get some insights on the Super Bowl, like what's some bets you like, what, what, what's some stuff, some action I should be in on. And I was like, you know, who do you like for MVP? Like, what are your favorite plays here? And the only bangle that he gave me was Joe Burrow. Like Joe, like Joe Burrow is the only, and he said that like Joe Burrow is the only bangle I would place money on to win MVP for the Cincinnati Bengals because the Rams, and he, and he gave me like five Rams and was just like, all these guys, like I like the money on them. If you think that they could be a Super Bowl MVP or have that big of an impact, and it, it says a lot about these two teams that like Joe Burrow is the only person that he would even consider like placing money on to win MVP. Whereas the Rams, we talk about their their talent and their loaded roster. It's just from a like playmaking positional standpoint, the Rams just simply have the advantage everywhere over the Bengals, in my opinion. The the thing that – so, okay, we, we always make narratives coming out of the Super Bowl, right? I think the narrative that teams are going to take is you need three stud wide receivers coming out of this because they're going to say three stud wide receivers is why Matthew Stafford went from looking like, you know, he couldn't ever win a playoff game to potentially being a Super Bowl champion. Three stud wide receivers is why Joe Burrow was able to turn around, you know, a team that had the first overall pick into a potential Super Bowl champion instantly. And we're going to see a ton of teams spend a ton of money to just surround like Daniel Jones with like star wideouts. I I, I think that's the mistake the NFL is going to make because they don't look at things rationally. They're not going to say, hey, you just need a good quarterback. They're not going to be able to internalize that and say, my quarterback simply isn't good enough. We as a front office pick the wrong quarterback because then that's off with their head. So they got to spin it and make it something else. What is it going to be? It's three stud wide receivers, baby. We got to get three stud wide receivers for Tua Tugavailoa. The two is the first quarterback I thought of when you started saying that. It's the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, let's load up on the skill guys for Tua. It's like I said, there's just they've got so much talent across the board and you know, I, I want to get into their defensive line versus their offense versus the Bengals offensive line. And we talked about it last week. Von Miller has lived up to that trade. Like he has done everything that you needed him to do so far in the playoffs for the Rams. And Leonard Floyd is a playmaker. Aaron Donald is the best defensive lineman in the NFL, best pass rusher in the NFL, best defensive player in the NFL. And, I understand that the Bengals offensive line has is not great and, and Burrow has bailed them out a lot, but the chiefs defensive line was not that good this year. And it was really underwhelming for the most part, especially in that AFC championship game. Like they were putting pressure on Burrow, but they couldn't seal the deal. This Rams offensive line is going to be able to sack Joe Burrow in this game. And I, I know Burrow's done a good job of not letting that affect his play and stepping back in and, and still making plays, even when he's lived under pressure all season. But this is the game where I, I just don't think he's going to be able to make up for their deficiencies there. No, I agree. And we were talking about this off air, but Hey man, intuition is uh, making a comeback, right? So we got a rolling list of things the Rams shouldn't have done, right? They shouldn't have brought OBJ because the numbers said that OBJ was no good in Cleveland. That seems to not be true. Uh, they shouldn't have traded so many picks to go all in with Vaughn Miller because Vaughn Miller is, you know, an aging pass rusher. If they win a ring, nothing else matters. And then uh, they shouldn't have traded so many picks for uh, the improvement of Stafford over Goff because their dots were similar on a chart. So intuition's making a comeback, man. I, I think we've uh, 
kind of reached the limit of, of numbers in terms of the player evaluation standpoint of the league. Do you know how silly it is to give yourself a pat on the back for a, saying a team should acquire a good player? And the fact that they were people were arguing, not just people, like there were a lot of people who were against acquiring every single one Bob of those, Miller. Every single one of those. Acquiring every single one of those. Odell Beckham. Thinking that Matthew Stafford would not be an upgrade. In my sphere, people were arguing that Stafford would not be an upgrade over the current quarterback that the 49ers have. And I am not exaggerating. I am dead serious when I say that. These conversations happen on the internet, which is why it might be time to rethink the internet. <laughs> um, it's amazing because we, we were talking about Von Miller and how he just kind of turned it on. This is the Von Miller that the Rams were expecting to think that he wasn't going to be this type of player based on all of the history ever with Von Miller feels naive and short-sighted. Same with Odell Beckham. Yes, he, he hasn't been, he didn't have the production that you'd like to see. And it might be exaggerating when you use a reference of, well, look, his dad made this 10 minute video or whatever, but we knew he was getting open and he's the type of receiver that wins one-on-one. -on -one. That's what you need in the NFL. You need a guy who can beat man coverage. And it doesn't, when I say that it just because you're getting open or beating man coverage, people think that turns into 20, 30, 40 yard bombs. That's not what wins in the NFL. You need consistency. You need to be able to con somebody to convert those third and fives. And that's what the Rams have in OBJ. So uh, it just really gives them somebody to take pressure off cup which is all they really needed. And, of course, you know, the injury, Robert Woods' injury coincided at the same time. So um, they, they really didn't get all, all of their receivers out there. But Beckham, uh, Miller, Stafford just unlocking this offense to a level that nobody would have imagined. Uh, it's been fun to watch. And I wouldn't say it's a surprise because I don't know how you guys felt about the Rams before the season, but I feel like we all thought that they were going to be really, really freaking good. And – Stafford was going to be able to take this offense to another level to say that you would have thought Cooper cup was going to be a 1900 yard receiver. You're lying to yourself, but yeah, that that's, that was the big surprise, especially that most of that yardage is coming out of the slot. I mean, he's got something like 400 more yards out of the slot than anyone else did this year. And I guess that's the other factor for, I guess that I missed on for, you know, the Bengals path to victory is like, if you can figure out how to bottle up cup in the slot, that that's another huge thing that would get that would go a long way. It's just how do you do that? You're gonna run a bunch of like match quarter stuff from like the college level and just like implement it in a two week span. Like NFL teams don't do that, so it'll be very interesting how they handle that kind of situation. No, they're gonna guard him one on one with Mike Hilton. That's just how they play defense. And I've seen people reference, uh... hey, two <laughs> years ago, Mike Hilton did very well against Cooper Cup. This is not that same Cooper. It's a different, it's a different dude. Uh, <laughs> this guy is, I, I, and a lot of people may not agree with it, but in my opinion, there is no better wide receiver at the top of his route than Cooper Cup. And that's, it's been trending that way for a couple of years, but this season he's just taken his game to another level. So to get as many yards as he has out of the slot just tells you everything you need to know about Cup. And again, it's not like he's just, catching bombs he's winning consistently on these intermediate routes so yeah i don't know man it, it's tough just the more we get into this game it's tough for me to, to come away thinking that the Bengals have a chance just knowing where the ram strengths are and then where the Bengals struggle well and that's the thing with cup too it's not as if these other playoff teams aren't trying to take him away <laughs> like they, they are out of their way <laughs> they're doing their best he's just totally unguardable right now like he is just playing it a different level than everybody else is. And, you know, I, I agree with you that I think Jamar Chase is such a special player that even against Jalen Ramsey, he's still going to be able to make plays in this game. He's still going to have an impact because we've just seen what a special player he is as a rookie wide receiver. And in a couple of years, he might be the best wide receiver in football. But right now it's Cooper Cup. And a lot of it has to do with this postseason run. Like that first game against the Cardinals, they just didn't throw because they didn't have to. And so you look at his stat line, you're like, oh, Cooper Cup didn't do much in that game. It's not because the Cardinals were like locking him down or something. They just didn't throw in that game. That was a and, yeah. And every other game, he's just been dominant and, and been so clutch for them. Like, I think the only way the Rams lose this game is if Matthew Stafford just totally implodes. Like, 
going into the playoffs, I told you guys I was worried about Matthew Stafford on this big stage because we saw him kind of down the stretch making really bad throws. And then even against the 49ers, he had what should have been uh, an easy interception that got dropped. But as long as he just doesn't go nuts and throw like four interceptions and just plays like he's been playing all playoffs, like I I just think that the Rams have too much. Like, And Cooper Cup's just going to be open. He's always going to be open and there's nothing you can do about it. There were plays in the NFC Championship where the 49ers sent extra attention to Cup. He finished that game with 11 catches for 142 yards and two touchdowns. I don't know how you're going to stop it. I don't know how the Bengals are going to stop him with the personnel that they have. Uh, Stafford's an interesting point, but the way that he's played this season, the way that he's beaten the blitz, the way that he's gone to the right spots on time, allowing his guys to run after the catch, like why is why do we think that that's going to change all of a sudden against just because maybe Trey Hendrickson gets the best of one of their tackles on a couple of plays? Um, that's that's going to happen, but I don't think that's going to be enough of a game changer. And sure, he did go through a Stafford went through a spell later in the season where he's you know he's turning the ball over left and right. But I just I don't know, man. I just don't think the Bengals present enough challenges for him to to where we see that type of pressure on him and and. Maybe if they get out to an early lead, we see a different version of Safford and maybe, you know, flipping that game script will help, but you're just hoping at that point. I just want a good game, Kyle. And you're telling me it's not going to be a good game. Ain't going to happen. <laughs> well, I just, I, the Rams owe us for the Super Bowl they were in a few years ago. So they got to make up that's for it. And that's one thing that they've said too, is like, they, they owe us for well, no, no, they were like, we felt like we were unprepared. For that like we we felt like we weren't ready for the moment we felt like we didn't prepare enough and and that has since changed um a zach taylor staff knowing how understaffed the Bengals are right is may, maybe he has that moment i guess is, is kind of my thought in that situation but no, nothing seems to be breaking clearly right for the Bengals. there's a couple things where we're like eh, if x doesn't have his best day that might be where the Bengals get an edge, but Never a good in terms of pure one-on-one matchups, I think I think the Rams got them all. Yeah. So, what if Aaron Donald has one of those Aaron Donald games? What if Von Miller has one of those Aaron or Von Miller games? What if there's so much attention to those two? Now you have Leonard Floyd, and he gets a bunch of one-on-ones, and he takes advantage of those. What if Jalen Ramsey is so effing amped up that he forces a turnover, picks off Burrow? Like there are so many wet things in this game and that we really haven't even gotten to that the Rams could go above and beyond. And it's not like they've played their best ball for four quarters throughout the playoffs either. So um, I think there's a better pro- – there's a higher probability of the Rams, one of their stars, having a breakout game than it is on the other side of the coin, whereas like Stafford, you know, it has an iffy middling game. So you mentioned how good Stafford's been against the Blitz this season, and he's been incredible. Like – the Bengals did kind of take that approach against Mahomes, especially in the second half of that game, which was just we're just going to rush four and we're going to drop we're going to drop everybody else, or we're going to rush three and we're going to drop everybody else. Like, is there like a circumstance here where they just they literally just try to do that to Stafford the entire time, do not blitz him at all, and just try to drop everybody into coverage and just hope there's enough bodies back there to make plays and slow down the offense? That's when you go to the old. McVay stuff, right? And you're like, all right, let's get Higby. He's basically an offensive lineman anyway in terms of his run blocking. Let's get him and uh, Cam Akers. We're riding, we're riding you to the Super Bowl. Um, I was looking at props, and is this – so we say – we bring up Cam Akers. Is there any chance that Sonny Michelle has a role in this game? I, I don't know. Like, since Cam, since Cam Akers came back, like, he, he's been the dude. They made it clear. Right. They were just like, Sony, get get to the bench. We, thanks we thanks for the help. He's back now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess under that certain, like, if they do decide, like, oh, the, they're, they're giving us these wide open lanes to just rush the football. Maybe we see Cam Akers and Sony Michelle wind like, up having run, a run, run. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's, and maybe it'll be more like that Cardinals game where the Bengals think like, okay, we're just going to drop into coverage the entire time. And then they just run all over them. Cause that was, that's what worked for them against the Arizona Cardinals in the wild card round. They just ran all over them and the Cardinals couldn't do anything about it. On the other side of the ball to maybe protect Burrow. What does Mixon do in this game? 
his rushing prop is 80 yards right now. Does he go over 80 yards? I feel like if they want total? to have a That's chance. rushing? Yeah. 80 yards. Rushing? Seems yes. high. That's high. Uh, what I was going to – so I was going to say, hey, this is not a gambling podcast. If you want a best bet for this one, you parlay the Rams' money line and Joe Mixon's under total rushing, and you will have a wonderful evening. It's 80, that, I that's swear. That's way yes. too high. Yeah, if if, if that was total yards, I would get it. Oh, my God. He has oh been more God. involved in the in the passing game, I, I guess. But and he had 88 yards against the Chiefs, but that was his highest rushing total in six weeks. This is so the last. Oh my goodness, he I has cracked the secret. Damn it, he <laughs> has cracked sixty-five yards one time since my birthday, November twenty-eighth, which was OBJ's first game, I believe. To put that in perspective, in terms of like the NFL timeline, that was Stafford is hurt. He he no longer looks like an MVP. The Rams are frauds. They're they're falling down. Uh, they're they're out of the NFC the NFC West race. That's how far back we have to go for Joe Mixon cracking 65 yards, let alone 80 yards rushing on the ground outside of this chiefs game. So that seems a lot of like a lot of recency bias. The other thing too, is Joe Mixon hasn't had over four yards per carry um, since that, that, since that game also, uh, you know, overlooking that chiefs game. So we're talking about getting Mixon, 20 touches i don't know man on the ground i don't know if the game script is gonna allow for that i don't think that zach taylor is gonna come into this game thinking hey you know what we're gonna try to slow this one down we're gonna give joe mixon a bunch of touches i think it'll be gonna be like why are we here joey burrow (laughs) get him the damn ball joey burrow let him throw to jamar chase if you're gonna go down swinging it's probably gonna be with that combo right which makes sense so um, i'm smashing that say everything we friday pod uh Steve, please edit all this mix and talk out before that number balloons. Um, What I was thinking, so knowing that everything we've talked about, the Rams defensive line and the Bengals offensive line, and the numbers support this too. So from week 10 on, so week 10 to week 18, the Rams were second in the NFL in rushing EPA allowed. And they also had it allowed only a 39% success rate on the ground. Everything points to them being a pretty – above average if not elite run defense the Bengals aren't really a team that you know relies on the ground game so it's on joe burrow through the air and it's if you make him one-dimensional and if you know the pass rush is going to be able to pin their ears back we're back to square one rams 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 so zach taylor's strategy going into this game is just feed joe mixon (laughs) don't you dare just get joe the ball and well he'll have a chance Ah, oh, man. Yeah, I, I just don't see that. 80 yards seems like it's awfully high for Joe Mixon in this football game. But uh, thank you guys for listening to everything that we're doing on NFL University, as well as the uh, SB Nation NFL show. As I mentioned, we've got tons of incredible content for you guys all week long leading up to Super Bowl Sunday. So make sure you're locked in right here. Uh, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on Apple as well as Spotify. You can follow KP on Twitter at kp underscore show you can follow justice at j-u-m-o-s-q you can find me at steven serta and coming up after the break rob stats guerrera actually sat down with charles davis of cbs sports to chat about sunday's big game so make sure you stick around for that that's coming up next Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Joining us now, a man you all know, thanks to his work at CBS and NFL Network and pretty much anywhere sports are played, Charles Davis is with us. How are you, Charles? Stats, I'm doing well. It's so great to talk with you. Thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. I can't believe it. Super Bowl week, right? And isn't it the craziest thing? Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it's the same for all of us. We can't wait for the season to get started. We get into the middle of it. We're like, my goodness, we still have X number of weeks to go. And then we're like, oh, it's Super Bowl week. Where did the season go? And I think that's where we are right now. That's the worst part for me is like, we've got the game on Sunday and then that's it. There's a long off season before we get football again. It's kind of depressing. Yeah, I think we all kind of go through it, but I will say this over the years, I've really enjoyed the break. Not, not, not just because, you know, we get a chance to recharge, retool, get better, all those other things, but I do like the anticipation. I do like the fact that there is a lull, that it goes away for a while. Although in our lifetime, as you know, Football's becoming 24-7, 365 business, all right? When I was a little guy, all right, growing up in New Paltz, New York, my, my, my lovely hometown and, and the place that, that, that helped create me, baseball was the big deal, okay? You would take your, you know, in New Paltz, New York, you know, you weren't playing baseball in November, December, January. So you take the ball, put it in your glove, oil, you'd oil up the mitt, put the ball in the oh, glove, yeah. tie it up, right? And then the anticipation of when can I pull this out? When are we going to have that first day we can play catch? Is it in March? Is it in April? What's it going to be? So there's an anticipation. But what filled the gap was what they used to call the hot stove league. All that oh, yeah. talk about baseball. Who got traded? Are they changing the lineup? Who's the hot pitcher for next year? Blah, blah, blah. Football has totally superseded all of that. I don't can't remember baseball chatter like that in a long time, right? But there's football chatter and football's filled up the calendar. But live football, real football, it goes away for a while. And then we get excited when it's back again come August. Yeah, I mean, the combine literally starts in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, you're right. The calendar goes 12 months, 365 for sure. Um, Let's get into this game a little bit because every time I think about it, all I think is, well, the Rams are going to just dominate Cincinnati's offensive line, and that's going to be that. But the Bengals are still here, and they've still had this offensive line all year. So like, what do you, what do you think is going to be in that matchup? Well, I love how you posited it because you nailed it, right? We're all watching the same thing. Let's be frank. Let's go back to Cincinnati, Tennessee in the playoffs, nine sacks. I believe that day. Yep. In Tennessee. And really, I think there were two more that got called back by penalty. So we're talking about a double digit sack day, but the difference in everything is quarterback Joe Burrow never turned the ball over meaning there wasn't a strip sack in the pocket that Tennessee took advantage of, right? They didn't punch it free in the pile and Tennessee comes up with the football and now they've stolen a possession from Cincinnati. Even when the sacks occurred, he never got ruffled. He took care of the football, whether they had to pump the ball away or whatever. Now they're still on their own terms. They're not playing on Tennessee's terms. That's what that's going to be a big deal in this game as well, because as you noted, here comes that Rams defensive front, right? Here comes Aaron Donald. Here comes Leonard Floyd. Here comes the, the, the pass rush and the pressure. Will he take care of the ball again as he has so far throughout his career and into the playoffs? He has. That's going to be the difference. And then when you flip it over stats, if Cincinnati's doing that and they're having their struggles moving the ball as they did against Tennessee, will the Cincinnati defense continue to play at a high level and, and keep that game on even terms so that maybe later on you can find the breakthrough of Cincinnati has found throughout this playoff season. Well, I think you're right about Burrow and the turnovers. Cause I look at Stafford and I feel like once a game, he just decides I'm going to just drop back and chuck it up and see what happens. Like he's going to give the defense an opportunity to take the ball away. Joukowsky just didn't hang on to it in the NFC championship game. Yeah, the poor guy. I hope Jaquaski's not watching. I hope there's the one <sighs> who's not watching us do this because that one is going to haunt him for a long, long time. Hopefully he'll have a chance for redemption, right? We've seen that with players throughout their careers. They have that play that everyone remembers. And later on, something happens and they make that big play that allows them to get back on better terms, right? Where they can kind of make peace with the whole thing. I'm old enough to remember Jackie Smith 
with oh. Dallas dropping the ball in the end zone from Roger Staubach, right? People have forgotten Jackie Smith was an all-pro Hall of Fame tight end. You go to Canton, you see Jackie Smith's bus for the work he did in St. Louis all those years. But anyone who talks about Jackie Smith, that's the first thing that comes up, right? So we're hoping for, for Tart that happen, that doesn't happen. But to your point, if Tart comes up with the football, we're talking about San Francisco versus Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. That's what, my, that's what you're alluding to, and I think you're on target. Matthew Stafford and crew, you can't give them those extra opportunities. It's a very opportunistic Cincinnati team. They don't scare very many people by what they present on defense. But also, if you give them a chance to make a play, they do. And here's the other thing, stats. Turnovers by Cincinnati, if they do turn it over, this Cincinnati defense has done a phenomenal job all year at limiting the points given up after a turnover. Luana Rumor, their defense coordinator, calls his group the firemen, and they've tamped out a lot of fires so far. So I'm eager to see how that plays out. Will Matthew Stafford give them an opportunity or two to take advantage of? And I have a theory about the Rams, and you tell me if this is crazy. I just feel like they are wound so tight. Like if the Rams win the Super Bowl, I feel like the primary emotion they're going to feel is relief, right? <laughs> Stafford's going to feel relief. McVay, I think, has talked openly about the, the changes that he's made from the last Super Bowl appearance to this Super Bowl appearance. Like they have all this pressure on them. Whereas Cincinnati, much like Joe Burrow, is just kind of like, hey, we're here. We think we're going to get it done. And, and not that they're playing with house money, but it, the, the teams are in such different places. Great point. And let, let's take it from Cincinnati's perspective first. Most of us are talking about house money. This was a, what, a 10 and seven team during the season, right? They didn't exactly run into the playoffs with great fanfare, although the win over Kansas City in week 16 or week 17 was a big one. We know that. But my point being 10 and seven, it's not exactly an overwhelming, you know, acclamation. Here they come, right? <laughs> but they've played really well since that time. Joe Burrow, I think he and his team are riding that line of what you said, house money, but at the same time, full confidence that they're good enough to be there. You know, they keep saying, we're not the underdog. Yeah. I don't hear we're good enough to be here. We're good enough to win. But at the same time, they know the public sees them that way. And I think you're, that allows them to relax a little. With the Rams, I think it's a split deal, stats. I do think that what you said is right on target. There will be an element of relief because think of all they've done. Les Snead as the GM has made every move possible so that our kids may not see the Rams have a first-round draft pick. <laughs> okay? But have those moves paid off? Well, you'd say Von Miller's playing pretty well down the stretch, right? The trade for Matthew Stafford, I think that's paid off in a big way. I'd say Jalen Ramsey's maybe the best corner in the league. That's paid off in a big way. So all those things have kicked in for them. But the bottom line is you traded for Stafford because Goff getting you to a Super Bowl wasn't good enough. So that's what you're talking about. Hey, you yep. still have to win it now. You've gotten there, but Goff got there. Can you win it now if you're Matthew Stafford? Can you win it if you're the Rams? For Matthew Stafford, it might be a little bit of house money. He was in Detroit. <laughs> they weren't sniffing a Super Bowl. Yeah, He has come in, gotten with a good team, shown his wares, and off he goes. But I do think there will be some pure joy out of this for one reason. Sean McVay, after they lost to New England, Stats, you heard the conversations around the country. I don't know if he'll recover from this. He was totally out coached by Bill, Bill Belichick. Sean McVay, after the game, said, I overprepared for the game. He was real open about it. I had a good friend who's a football coach of, of really good renown. He has told me time and time again since Super Bowl, Sean McVay would never be the same again. He got to him mentally. And I kept fighting him on that. I said, I don't think that's true. And we turned out it's not true. But to get over the hump, that's why I don't think it's going to be just pure relief. I think there'll be a lot of joy that Sean McVay not reinvented himself, but adjusted, found different ways, and brought another team back to the Super Bowl in really a short amount of time in the NFL. Well, that's what I would be worried about, though, if I was a Rams fan. I would, what if, let's say, Stafford turns it over early, Cincinnati gets up by a couple scores. I think that McVay is going to be in his head again, like, I, this can't happen again. Like I can't lose another one of these. Uh, and maybe that's just my bias as someone <laughs> who covers and roots for the Niners. Like I'm rooting for that. I don't know, but, but I, you, guys, you, you know, as a Niners, as a person who's covered with the Niners, that was the conversation before the championship game. Yes. 
that the Niners totally owned them and occupied rent-free space in the head, the hearts, the minds of, of the Rams. And then the way that game played out, though, I think really helps the Rams going into this one because they had to come from behind. They had to rally. They had to make this thing happen. Remember, you you remember better than anyone. Wasn't it week 18 that the, the, the Rams were up 17? Yes. And lost that game? And that really caused some consternation when they saw the 49ers again in the NFC Championship. Oh, God, their fans are like, oh, no. We can't be up 17 and win it. Right. For them to be able to come back from off the pace in this last one, overcome an error or two. Joukowsky Tart helped open the door, of course, but they stepped through it. So you got to give them big credit for that. I think that helps uh, helps wash away a lot of that. I feel like Sean McVay in this situation is going to be fine. I really do. I just don't, I just don't see where this is going to overwhelm him at this point. He's been there. He's done it. He's made the adjustments. Now it's time to just go ahead and turn this bad boy loose. This is what we came for. We made the moves. We got Stafford. We did this. Go play. And I feel like a lot of teams do that, but a lot, but you don't see that plan actually work too often. Like as a Niner fan, I think of the 94 Niners who loaded up in the first year of free agency, Richard Dent, Deion Sanders, and it worked, right? They got to the Super Bowl and they won it. We remember the Eagles dream team from a few oh, years ago. Uh, <laughs> that was slightly less successful. Um, but I do, it'll be interesting to see if this actually pays off because there's only the only way it's all worth it for the Rams is if they win a Super Bowl. Just getting there is not good enough. Yeah, I don't, no disagreement on that one. But they knew that from the beginning. That's why Les Snead made those moves. He wasn't making them, hey guys, we're doing this to get to the playoffs. We're doing this to win a Super Bowl. And we're either going to win a Super Bowl or I'm going to be out of a job. I mean, that's essentially what he's saying, right? And he was willing to step forward and put his chin out and do that with it, obviously, with, with, with the Cronky management team saying, yes, go ahead and do that. He and Sean McVay with their plan. Yes, all of that was there. You're exactly right. They have to pay off in a Super Bowl. So the difference in this one is if Cincinnati loses, all we're going to talk about is, wow, look what they did and look what the future holds for them. If the Rams lose a Super Bowl, is exactly what you stated, Stats. They made every move under the sun, didn't get their goal. Can this work again? Has Von Miller still got the juice? You know, all this Stafford and crew. I mean, that's that's what it's going to turn into. But I, I will tell you this. I'm loving the matchup. I'm loving the contrast. I'm loving how two teams have gone about doing it different ways. And by the way, Duke Tobin may not be named the GM of, of Cincinnati, but he's the personnel guy that no one talks about. It wasn't just drafting Joe Burrow, was it? Look at all the other moves that have been made to make this team better. Some of them before Burrow got there, some of them with him, some of them since he got there. All those moves have been really, really good moves. Remember the name, folks, Duke Tobin. You can't find him listed as a GM in Cincinnati's org chart, but he's the guy who's doing the personnel for that club, and he does not get enough credit. Yeah, so I mean, some of the free agent moves they've made. I mean, Trey Hendrickson, you know, I kind of just thought, well, he's going to Cincinnati. That's probably not going to work out, which is a terrible thing to think because obviously it has. He's been fantastic for them. But it's not an unusual thought because Cincinnati has not been a destination spot for free agents to go sign and make a difference. And it was just two years ago this team won two football games. So I don't think that you're wrong for having that thought. The other thought I'm sure that crossed your mind was Trey, Trey Henderson had 13 and a half sacks his last year in New Orleans. Is he really a 13 and a half sack guy? Right. Right. That was a big conversation piece. Was he benefiting from Cam Jordan being out there and getting all the attention, et cetera, et cetera. Well, he came back and showed he can get off the ball and get sacks on his own. And Sam Hubbard's not so bad on the other side either. <laughs> so, so when you put it all together now, and here's the last thing we, I had Cincinnati multiple times this year, stats. Trey Henderson told our, our broadcast team point blank that he chose Cincinnati. This wasn't so much, hey, the best contract. He felt a vibe when he was there for a meeting with them and decided on that trip, this is where I want to be. And remember, they don't have all the amenities. Where did they right. practice last weekend with, with the snow in Cincinnati? They had to practice at the University of Cincinnati's Indian <laughs> facility because Cincinnati doesn't have one. But he chose feel, climate, what he got from Zach Taylor, what he's feeling from Burrow and the rest of the guys there. And they almost had like one of those group things, him, Mike Hilton, a few others. Yeah, we're going to all sign together. And they did. That 
kind of organizational structure that you're talking about, you know, the not having the practice facility and the fact that they have, I think the smallest scouting staff in the entire league. They use their and, coaches a lot for scouting. I, all that is going into it and it's saying that, that structure, that organization can't win a Super Bowl. So my brain is telling me that the Rams are going to win this game. But like we said, the Bengals are here. What's your pick for the game? Well, it's, it's a major struggle because it's not so much the organizational part of it. You know, they finally figured it out and hit. And remember, for all those years under Marvin Lewis, you know, because everybody keeps talking about the Marvin Lewis, you know, 10-year involved, never won a playoff game. Yeah, but they went to playoffs six times. Right. Well, division titles during that time were always a factor. And I realize winning it all is what it's all about in the league. But that structure was working for them during that time. They were they were finding diamonds in the rough at times. For whatever you think about Vontez Perfect, and I'm not a fan, so I'm not about to sit here and change my tune. They ended up taking a chance on him, and he paid off in a big way in terms of play, although I thought that he and Pac-Man Jones cost them in the playoff game against Pittsburgh. But bottom line is he gave them some significant play. They got him as an undrafted free agent when everyone else gave up on him in the draft. So they've made good moves along the way. So I'm not worried about that. But you're right. It's a different structure. Small scouting staff. They ask their coaches to do a lot of work in terms of the draft and who you like as prospects. And right now, they're hitting pretty well. So I've seen Cincinnati more this year. You know, in my coverage, I've not seen the Rams in terms of live coverage of a game. But I used to cover them a lot when I was at another network. I think this game is a toss-up game, and there's no home field advantage, even though the game's in Los Angeles. Super Bowls don't work that way, especially not for the Los Angeles teams. Right. Because you know plenty of people get in there who root for the other team. That's not a big deal for them. It's not like people from the Los Angeles franchise say, I'm not letting the visitors come. I'm only going to give my tickets to someone rooting for my team. They just take the highest bidder. It's different in other places. Absolutely. Well, Charles, we thank you very much for the time. Again, we appreciate it. Charles Davis, CBS Sports. You are jack of all trades and pretty much master of all of them too, Charles. So thanks for the time. (laughs) You're awfully kind. It's been a blast spending time with you, Stats. Look forward to seeing you in person.